I'm very well, thank you. My pleasure to join you. Arman Alawalia. Thank you so much, Eugenie. This is uh, quite an honor. I appreciate you uh, you extending the offer to, to come here and speak today. Pedro Diaz Rudal. First of all, thanks for having me and excited, you know, to be part of this podcast. Ronan Doniger. Huge. Thank you very much. I suppose, first of all, for having me on your show. Dean Butcher. The key point is ask, 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 and never give up. And welcome to ePROcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to a new episode of ePROcast. I'm your host, The Big E, and again, Happy New Year, and I hope you guys are having a wonderful start of 2021, and I hope you all enjoyed your vacation, your holidays, and ready to crush 2021. It's a year where we have to take all the excuses out of the equation and go do things, okay? I'm excited to introduce you to the first guest of 2021, and it's also episode 41, and I can't believe there are 40 episodes behind us. Thanks a lot for all the positive feedbacks. It's been awesome, and thanks for getting in touch with us. All the social links are attached to the episode notes, so... Get in touch with us, engage with us if you have any questions or anything we can help you with. Also, it would mean the world to us if you could uh, go subscribe, rate and review this podcast and tell your friends about it. Maybe it will help them to get them on the right path in their career. Who knows? But I'm excited in this episode. I'm joined by Larry DeGaris, the co-director at Center for Sports Sponsorships at the University of Indianapolis. Larry has an awesome story and also he's been uh, more than 20 years now in in sports sponsorship world and also is the one of uh, not many people who defined what the return on investment of those uh, sponsorships are. So I hope you get a lot of value out of this conversation. I was in the learning mode uh, very often during this episode uh, because every word that that was coming out of Larry's mouth was awesome and truly valuable. So I hope you really enjoy it and let us know what you think about it by leaving a review um, of this episode. So without further ado, the conversation with Larry DeGaris starts right now. Enjoy. Hey, everyone. Uh, We have today Larry DeGaris. He is the co-director at Center for Sports Sponsorship at University of Indianapolis. Larry, thanks for taking the time to join the show. That's a pleasure, Biggie. Let's give a little bit of context because we had a little bit of chat before this and um, to give a little bit of context to to the audience, uh, who you are, what's your background and how you got to connect your life with sports. Yeah, well, uh, you know, my background, of course, sports is playing first where you right, develop those uh, connections. And uh, now I was a PhD student in sports sociology and needed a job. So I... Uh, I networked with a sports marketing agency, didn't know anything about marketing, didn't know anything about you know, sports marketing, uh, but saw the research that they did So I, and um, got a job in a sports marketing agency. So that's how I, I got my start in the business. I was a, a social science researcher. Yeah, that's my, uh, my background, which I think has really served me well in uh, the work that I do. And so that was more than 20 years ago. And I've been doing sports marketing research uh, since then, first full time in the industry and, and now as an academic and consultant. 
Right. And uh, before actually diving on the business side, tell us more about uh, your time at uh, Wesleyan University. You captained the wrestling and the rugby team. <laughs> I did a little bit of research. So uh, also you are the uh, the New England wrestling champion. So you're a big fella. I w- I, not, I'm not that big. Not that big. I was just, and I make a point of this. Uh, I wrestled in the unlimited weight category. Right. Right. Uh, which is before they established weight limits. So, okay. And it was the last. It was the last year. <laughs> but uh, when I competed at the nationals, I was the small. I was the lightest heavyweight. Wow. Okay. So that I was a, a small heavyweight. But but also you were baritone sax in the big band. Tell us yes. how, how how you connected all this all these all this together. How you put the puzzles together. These are just things that I did. That's all. I mean, they're not necessarily connected. I'd go to wrestling practice in the in the winter, take yeah. a shower, have something to eat, and then go to band practice. <laughs> and um, re- regarding your new role at University of Indianapolis, can you tell us more? Because and and for, for for the record, for the audience, uh, it's been what a month, I think, when you you received this uh, well official um, official role, and how this opportunity. Um, came and uh, of course what are your responsibilities moving forward this in this role yeah uh, well the it, the opportunity came forward as part of a lily foundation grant mm-hmm. uh and facilitated by the president of my university rob Manuel. so um he invited me to submit a proposal uh that's what i do is Right, right proposal. So I, I've had an idea, a long, a long time idea of, of a national sports poll that I wanted to get off the ground. I always felt like a university would be a good fit for it because it, that you put out a lot of data and a lot of kind of general knowledge about the field. Right. So I always thought this was a good fit. So that's the, the was the proposal. And I said, well, well, let's create a and let's be specific. Sponsorship is uh, sponsorship right f- rights fees globally about fifty billion. Yeah. Add another fifty billion plus in uh, activation and marketing support, and you have something like a hundred billion dollar industry worldwide, and no academic center devoted to its study. Wow. Uh, so so as well. So we started one. Uh, we focus on, uh, on, on sports. That's the major portion of sponsorship. So that's our, our, our focus. And uh, the, the major, uh, the primary effort will be our sports poll. I call it the attention driver sports poll because in my research and sponsorship measurement over the past 20 years, I uh, really uh, focus on, on the activation meaning uh, uh, marketing as being really important and understudied. So uh, uh, sports, and this is the foundation of our business. You know, sports has, the sports industry has grown uh, exponentially since 1984. I'd say that's a turning point. The 1984 Los Angeles Olympics were really a real turning point for the industry and corporate involvement. Right. That was an experiment. That was tremendously successful and really laid the groundwork for this re- explosive growth, you know, in in uh, in revenue, you know, coming in, and and that's been through corporate support. It's really changed. It's changed everything about sports. Uh, 
and it's an absolute necessity. It's an, a requirement now. People know that you need to have corporate support if you're going to be a viable entity as an organization. Uh, <clears throat> so, so that was uh, uh, the the genesis, and our our primary effort will be uh, getting this sports pole off the ground. And we're talking about this before the call. I mean, uh, during during our conversation as well about Indianapolis being uh, a very sports oriented city. Um, we talked with Melissa Thompson, the previous guest of the podcast, about how they attract big events in in this in the city of Indianapolis and they do a great job of you know um Indianapolis was the ho- the the home of uh, Super Bowl mul- multiple big big 10 championships uh final fours and stuff and so on and so forth and also d- during my research i noticed you you mentioned on on linkedin uh that you cracked the code of sponsorship ROI and yeah. uh, the aka the return on investment personally i i always had this question and also a lot of, of the listeners of the podcast, and this is actually the question to you. How do you calculate the ROI when it comes to sponsorship? Uh, I mean, return on investment is a simple ratio of how much you spend and what you get back. Right. Okay. And so the sponsorship's holy grail has been linking sponsorship to product sales. Yep. You know, soft drink. Man, uh, uh, brand sponsors say they want to want to know how many soft drinks do I sell. Budweiser know, wants to know how much beer do I sell. Yep. And uh, and that's been elusive. That's been a big question hanging over. And people say, "Well, you can't really measure it," or you know, and or or people would make claims. Yes, you can. We have a proprietary algorithm, but then that's it. So. And this is, you know, through the course of, of 20 years of developing a, a model and understanding relationships and, and uh, I've developed a measurement model that, and this is the, the challenge on, in calculating ROI on sponsorship is that, and it's, it's, cha- it's challenging, but it's doable. And the challenge is that it's indirect. Yeah. That the, the, the effects of sponsorships, of a sponsorship is ha, is related to product sales, but not necessarily directly, mm-hmm. and that's where where a lot of the the models fail. They take a look at some sponsorship measurements, they take a look at product sales, and they say, "Ah, oh, there's no relationship here, so it's not working." So, uh, the, so what I've done is you identify the path. Okay, so we'll start. This is. Uh, you know, kind of one of the lines is you leverage fan passion into business results. That's what sponsorship does. And people like, say, see, and intuitively say, yeah, that makes sense. How does that work? Is it right? Is it true? How does it work? Yes, intuitively, it makes sense. We have a, a feeling we've seen good results, but how does it work? So this is why I call my sports poll the attention drivers sports poll. What fan passion does is increase the effectiveness of your through-the-line marketing communications, meaning it makes your advertising more effective. It makes your sales promotions more effective. It makes your content, that your own content, more effective, your social media. So all of, it makes your events, your experiential marketing. And the way it does that, I say it's attention, is say you're watching watching a, a sports event on TV. There's a break in the action. Yep they switch to a commercial. The first challenge for any advertising is getting you to pay attention. True. Okay. Uh, so here's the commercial. I see a bottle of Heineken. Yeah. 
I see a bottle of Heineken next to a soccer ball. Better. <laughs> but still, eh, it's a soccer ball. Yeah. I see a bottle of Heineken next to a soccer ball being kicked by Lionel Messi. <laughs> to Mohamed Salah and Raheem Sterling jumps in between. <laughs> now you have my attention, right? Now it's just I'm going to watch. Okay. So it's not that, and I'm, you know, pay attention. And I, if, if you're, so this is for any sport. If you're a rugby fan and it's rugby r- related, it catch you, you look. Yeah. Right. You look, that's the first challenge. And the second challenge is for the brand to communicate its message in a way that doesn't get lost in the sport. Right. So, so I say, you know, in advertising, there's a lot of you know research about the importance of creativity. In sponsorship, there's none or very little. But yet, it's as important. Your creative, your sponsorship creative is as important as your advertising creative. And advertising is a big part of sponsorship. They like to you know make it so. So that that is uh, the the you know kind of the the central piece. Where in sponsorship, you'd hear, oh, it's all about the activation, right? Yeah. Meaning you can't just say, I'm a sponsor. I'm going to put my signs everywhere. And that's going to work on its own. We're we're calling it the old school. Yeah. We say (laughs) spots and dots. Spots and dots. Okay. Yeah. Like you're just going to sell the the exposure. Okay. But the exposure helps to make your activation so the exposure works if you do something with it. So that needs to be activated. So your activation now, it depends on the brand. You know, some brands, uh, you know, if, you know, you're a home improvement warehouse like Home Depot or Lowe's, you focus more on advertising and the brand because you need to be on someone's mind when they need something. Yeah. If you're Pepsi, Coca-Cola, these are low involvement, repeated decisions you need to be at the point of sale, right? So, but, and this is the point about like the point of sale. So a lot of sponsors say, well, we're just interested in retail traffic, right? Like I, I just want the cardboard cutout on site and I want the shelf space. And I say, yeah, but you need everything else to make that work, right? So you the meaning, see here, and this is what's, I mean, it's complicated, but it's not impossible. And when you measure all these, you know, measure these, they fit. Right, they fit. If you have uh, the more passion you ha- uh, the fans have, the more effective your activation. The more effective your the more engaged uh, consumers are with your brand, and then the more engaged consumers are with your brand, the more they buy. Right. So, okay. so here here's you know four points along the path. You you have uh, you measure those and you can establish them. But now you can establish so. So, you know, the, the path, right? That fan passion is what drives activation, activation drives brand, and brand drives sales. Uh, when you lay that out, and now you can, me- and so now you can measure that, if they, here's the model, and you can say, so it's not just me. So I say this, you know, I mean, I cracked the code, but it's not just me. <laughs> I'm not the only, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not the only one. Yeah, doing this. Uh, so you know, I've, I have data, you know, which I I show, and I say in my data, I've modeled, I explained twelve percent of product sales, 
And here's a, uh, there's another study that was published, different researchers, different measures, uh, a different sport, different industry category, their model predicted 12% of product sales. So I said, okay, you know, this is not a huge uh, amount of data. We need to do more work in the area. But, but, uh, there are, here, I can I point to, here's a model that works. Right. And uh, when it comes to marketing activations, um, as you mentioned earlier, what, what are the main mistakes to avoid uh, when it comes to, of course, let's say um, there's a partnership or sponsorship signed, agreed. Um, what shouldn't the organizations uh, do in order to not, you know, let this uh, partnership yeah. fail? Uh, I'll say, well, here's the main shortcoming is, is they do nothing. Okay. And, and that's still the number one problem. Uh, the number one reason for uh, sponsors not renewing sponsorships is that they didn't do anything with it. That culture has changed. So now on the property side, they'll make sure that sponsors have a complete program. Mm-hmm. Old days, it was, thank you for your business. So I'm going to shake your hand. That's wonderful. Uh, good luck. And at the end of the year, like, we'll send you the photos of the signs that we put up. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, well, I don't know, I don't think I got anything sure. for, you know, from this. And they're probably right. You didn't. And then, and then the property would say, yeah, but, you know, you need to do this or do that. You know, and they're like, well, wait a second. You know, I mean, I, you know, uh, I remember, and this is true even with big sponsors. You know, they don't understand. You need to understand that the rights fee. So say you're going to, you know, you're going to buy a title sponsorship with a NASCAR series, you know, one of the secondary ones, mm-hmm. they want 10 million a year. That's the rights fees. Yeah. And you say, okay, now your agency comes in and says, that's 10 million a year for rights fees. And here's another 20. Mm-hmm. Well, that $10 million deal is now a $30 million deal. Right. If you don't know that, that's sticker shock. I mean, it still might be an effective program, but you're like, well, I thought this was 10 million. Now you're telling me it's 30. Whoa. <laughs> you know? So, so that, that uh, we've come a long way on that, but we're still not there. Right. We're still not there, especially at the lower levels where, you know, you have kind of lower tier sponsors don't have an agency. So they'll buy the sponsorship to properties credits, this has been uh, in the past 10 years, I've seen uh, a huge growth in activation staff. So they mm-hmm. have basically internal agencies. Yeah. Right. So that's great for people like you and your listeners because lots of work. Yep. You know, this is lots of work and it's better for everybody. It's work. It's better for the sponsors, better for the team. Right. So, so that would be the number one. I'll say here's the number two is uh, trying to cut corners. So in particular, I'm going to chase the sales. I understand that. But this is true in promotional marketing in general, right? Uh, Product manager. I got to make my numbers. I got to make my numbers because we need to make our earnings estimate because my CEO needs to get his bonus. 
So that's the structure. I need to make my numbers. If I don't make my numbers, I'm out. That's right. So I'm chasing a sale. So what do I do? I need to, you know, I need to juice my numbers. Okay, we're going to do price cut, price promotion. See, that's the first thing. And and in sponsorship, cutting corners. Well, number one, uh, promotional marketing broadly, experiential. Shopper marketing. Shopper marketing. Shopper marketing is a huge part of sponsorship. Shopper marketing is actually a huge part of marketing that we don't talk about. It's half the budget. You know, I mean, I mean, we advertising is sexy. Shopper marketing is not sexy, but it's a huge business and tremendously important because because that's where the sales happen. All right, sponsorship is great for that. Right, because because if I'm Procter and Gamble, I'm a sales rep for Procter and Gamble. You know, I mean, you can imagine that that life is I'm going to the same uh, supermarket manager every month with the same old tired promotions asking for more shelf space. I'm dying marketing people. Can you please give me something I can use? (laughs) Right. And I said, we have this, you know, here's this new program. Here's our Olympic program. Wow. Yep. Now I can walk in. Here's my Olympic program. Now I can walk in to that store manager. And say, here's what we're doing. Here's how, and not only here's how I'm going to help you. I'm going to drive this program is going to drive traffic to your store because we're going to say, hey, go down to the food lion, you know, this weekend, or it's available at the food lion. And then food lion, I'm going to walk in. Here's a food lion, and here's my display case that is not just a cardboard cutout and not just a soccer ball or goalposts or a field. I mean, this is an engaging. You know, like for, I mean, for, for the Olympics, it's a huge one because that extends beyond. I mean, we're going to give you the five rings. The five rings are going to be in your store. Yep. They're meaningful. People love the five rings. You know, this is a, a phenomenon. This is going to drive traffic to your store. Give us the space. I mean, as uh, you know, but so it's one thing to have the five rings on a cutout on your point of sale promotion. Well, I'm the consumer. I walk in, I see the five rings. I'm like, cool, the Olympics, <laughs> right? But if I see the five rings and, I, and I've seen the thank you mom videos that Procter & Gamble puts out, and here's the thank you mom and the five rings, I'm filling up my cart, Yep. right? I mean, now you're doing more than just getting my attention. You're gaining my attention, and now I'm hooked. So the big mistake that, uh, and pro- not Procter & Gamble, I say Procter & Gamble, so here's an example that they did well, right? Yeah. So they're, they're a consumer products company, and they promote the P&G, and here's the umbrella, and here's all, you know, here's our brands. And we're going to have, you know, the, maybe the goal is point of sale. Right. Right. But we understand that that, that journey is going to start with Ryan Lochte's mom appearing on good, uh, uh, you know, the the Today Show on national TV and crying, talking about her son, right? Or her, or her son says, you know, here's all the things my mom did for me, and she's crying on the Today Show. And then here are these videos, you know, the thank you mom. I mean, fan, legendary. What a, you know, uh, what a terrific program, right? I mean, they hit it. They hit the sport. They hit the human. They hit the brands. Yep. They hit everything. They're the tri- the triggers. I believe they call the triggers, oh, right? I mean, you know, I mean, re- re- almost like 
like where you're saying this is just too much, but really and successful. Yeah. Right. Now, so many brands will think like, hey, I'm a credit card company and I got the affinity card. So I'm looking for a number of accounts, activations and how much they charge on a credit card. That's it. That's so my laser focus. And I forget all the stuff that comes before that. Right. Like I just need the rights. You say, yeah, you need the right. So I say, this is the biggest shortcoming of a lot of sponsors leave a lot of money on the table with their promotional programs because they don't support it with advertising. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can't participate in a promotion you don't know about. And that's in particular digital. So I say advertising, you have a digital promotion. You know, your goal is to get a contact, build your contact database for email marketing, right? Yep. Kind of a fairly typical goal. And so that's my goal. There's my laser focus is the email. That's what my metric is. Because I know emails. I know my conversion rate. I can say, here's my ROI on this. Well, so I have a great, I got a, a, a great promotion. And for people who see it, I got a great conversion rate. You know, I'm, I'm doubling. And this is actually fairly typical that you have a sponsorship link promotion, you double the, the, the rate of participation. Yeah, which is great, which is great. You double rate for the people, but the people have to find it. You might triple, quadruple, right? If, if all you, but all you have, you have to say, here's my display ad or, and it's not just on my website, like Indiana Pacers is not just the Pacers website because people don't follow the Pacers they might follow the Pacers on ESPN.com or CBS Sports or their chat board, right? So, I mean, you know, and this is uh, what is, here's an advantage of, uh, here's a, bi- a big advantage of, of sponsorship. You know, I said another thing that we don't appreciate, we don't do a good job. So one of the ideas for the center is to promote the discipline. Uh, there's a lot of talk around IMC, Integrated Marketing Communication. Mm-hmm. So people have been talking about that you know, for 30 years with a belief that there's synergy. So they say, well, how do you, and here's the challenge though, how do you integrate? And that's the big challenge because you're dealing with different organizations. I have an ad agency, a PR agency. It's like herding cats, you know, and they all have their individual agendas. So that's a challenge. So they'll say, well, look and feel, tone, message, right? Some type of consistency. So it's easier to process. Right. That's a key. Sports makes that easy. I don't need tone or I get, all I need is if it's, if it's rugby, that's my platform. That's it. Rugby. I mean, rugby and Guinness. <laughs> that's a good one. Yep. And that's it. I mean, if, if, and what's their platform? Rugby. They don't need their look and their feel. I got the logo. I know what the Guinness logo looks like yep. and rugby. And that's it. That's all I, you know, now, as a platform, you know where to find rugby fans. They're easy to find. Yep. And if you have, you know, now rugby-themed marketing. So let's say, think about efficiency, right? If I'm Budweiser, I want to advertise on a Super Bowl. Maybe 50 to 60% of those viewers, probably fewer, drink beer. Of those 50%, say, maybe 50% drink domestic. Right, like you're not even meaning. I mean, here's your your core customer. So, I mean, this is fairly typical with marketing. There's a lot of inefficiency. Right, right. You're not reaching 
and sports marketing, the efficiency picks up because who am I trying to reach? I'm trying to reach a rugby fan. But talking about the sponsors and the sports organizations, how and what are the um, main things in, to take into consideration whenever putting a price on that sponsorship? What, can, you, can you elaborate more on that? Yeah, well, the prices are, are uh, determined. The floor and the ceiling mm-hmm. is reach. Yeah. So, um, and then, and now there's, I'd say, a lot of uh, old school sponsorship valuation based on impressions, which uh, we don't, as an industry, we're not doing ourselves any favors by doing that. It's bad. Mm-hmm. I wish we'd stop. Not stop measuring impressions. Right. They contribute, but stop. They, 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 contrib- they contribute to that ROI we were talking earlier. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, imp- what are, so what impressions are going to do is make your activations more effective. But really, it's the intellectual property rights that drive the value. Mm-hmm. Right? That's, that, that, that's the, the greatest value is in the lift to your marketing uh, communications, right? That's kind of the, the focus for this engagement with the sponsorship, uh, uh, program. And, uh, so I think there's a lot of, um, uh, imprecision in sponsorship pricing and then also just a lack of validity. Uh, so, but of course, so there's pricing is mar- always market-based. So, so the pricing is going to depend on, you know, I'll go back to the 1984 Olympics. This is Peter Huberoth. His, his innovation was category exclusivity. Mm-hmm. 1976 Olympics in Montreal had something like 500 sponsors and you donated what you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, 80 Olympics in Moscow, no sponsors. Government no, funded. And, yeah. then, and that was the last one that was government funded. Because mm-hmm. nobody else would want to take that on. You know, the interesting fact, there are two two cities, two, that bid on the 84 Olympics. We don't realize how close the Olympics came to going away uh, because it was Los Angeles and Tehran. Uh, who knows how serious Tehran, they probably would have done a good job with, you know, like actually hosting the games, but then it would have been something completely different model, government-funded athletic competitions, not a global media brand. LA uh, did it, but they said, okay, we're going to, well, you can have it here. We're not paying for it, the city. Right. So Uberoth said, okay, category exclusivity. Coke, you've been an sp- Olympic sponsor since 1920. I'm going to go to you. I'm going to offer you first. It's either you or Pepsi. So that's it. And I'm not giving you, he didn't give a price. Uberoth you, you wrote about this. He said, I walked in hoping for 4 million. They offered 12. <laughs> well, 4 million was probably closer to the actual marketing value minus the category exclusivity. Mm-hmm. So what's that category? So now it's market-based. And uh, so that means it depends on, I'll say it's likewise media rights. Media rights in the U.S. are much higher than uh, other markets because there's more competition. I mean, you, and, and, and let's face it. Now, the Olympic Games are funded by NBC. Mm-hmm. Uh, college basketball, the final four is funded by CBS. As a matter of fact, the entire NCAA, the, the nine, more than 90% of the NCAA budget is the CBS TV contract for the final, uh, final four. 
Where do you see this sponsorship and how you see sponsorship moving forward, let's say in, in five to 10 years? How do you have a, a thought? Have you thought about where the trend going? Uh, what 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 the brands what the brands will look like? Uh, you mentioned how it was in the past. It was the uh, the exclusive uh, exclusivity. We're talking about the old school about you know uh, getting giving the sponsors only the you know you appear there and there and there giving them the visibility the assets. Uh, and nowadays we're talking about activation is the the key of that sponsorship. If they're not putting a lot of effort to, to activate that sponsorship, it, most probably the, the retention rate of that sponsor will be low. Uh, where, where would look in five, 10 years from now? Well, uh, I'll say I've seen a trend towards uh, increased emphasis on analytics. Mm -hmm. I'm cautious about that because I've heard it before. Yeah. But there is growth in the area. Mm -hmm. So for example, Within the past year, I've seen three job ads for sponsorship analytics managers for professional sports teams. Mm -hmm. uh, agencies are tend to be adding more of a component, but so it's beginning. Whether or not it'll, the trend would continue or get established, you know, I'm hopeful, not necessarily optimistic, because like I said, we've, you know, I've seen it before a lot of buzz around analytics uh so and there is now you know money behind it so they're hiring people yeah the question now is is will the people who are doing it produce something of value so there are people doing it but it's a, you know i mean i i'm one of the few i've been in sponsorship research for 20 years I, there's literally a handful of, of people in the world you know like in the industry who've had and a lot of people are just in and out. So there's very little institutional memory. In fact, you know, I mean, I see some, a lot of times I'll see something that come out and I'm like, man, we went through that 20 years ago, but it's, it's not, so it's not new. It's new to them, right? They don't know, you know, 20 years ago that th somebody went through this to try this. It didn't work. I mean, I, I get the, I mean, you know, right. uh, I, I review um, academic papers for journals sometimes you know and there are certain things like uh brand personality image matching and sponsorship and brands just won't go away and it just doesn't work well you know it worked like a little bit it's just and it's not useful you know so it doesn't work well and every time i see a paper i'm like man it, like we've been through you know we've been through this but it's some you know like newly minted phd who had this idea you know Kind of doesn't know, and then I say, "Well, there's actually," and then I have to point out there's actually some research, you know. So there's certain things that we've been th we've been through. So, so that's that's one point. I'll say here, so that the overall. So that's my end, uh, and I think you know it's important because one of the, your question I think is aimed at growth. Analytics can help fuel growth, like. What we and this is why I say I'm gonna I want to say here's my ROI model. I'll show it to you with numbers, transparent. Yeah. Read my white paper. I have numbers. I don't have a proprietary algorithm. It's not a black box. It were it's been validated, peer reviewed. Here's a method that works. So if so, for people saying, "Oh, does it really work?" There's no proof. Well, here's support. 
It's not the, it's not the, I'm not saying, you know, it's the final answer, the holy grail, but here's a model, it's robust, it's valid. Okay, that's in a, a piece. Regardless of that, this industry is going to grow. And I'll say, yeah. here's why. Uh, gate revenue, pandemic aside, gate re- revenue is slow growth because you need, I mean, if you're Real Madrid, you can. They did add five thousand seats to their stadium, so they do one hundred five thousand instead of one hundred thousand. That's in added revenue, but it's construction costs. They're going to a new, completely new. St- well, uh, renovating their stadium now to to increase the numbers of, as we talked before, corporate seats, and then you know that's incremental and it's limited because it's limited by physical space. Yeah. Uh, media, you know, there's opportunity, but those, you know, media revenue tends to be more stable and long-term. Uh, the, there's going to be a, 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 there's kind of an industry shakeup with OTT and streaming. Yeah. But, uh, this is uh, the way I see your, all people are going to be, be doing is replacing their cable bill with their streaming bill. <laughs> no, that's right. And to to your and to your point, uh, these two uh, revenue streams are limited. At some point, they're they're limit. They're limited. Okay, so that's your two major revenue areas. Sponsorship is the third, and that's not limited. Yeah, uh, yeah. And and so here are these are trends. It's not new. You know, we already we've already seen this. The pandemic didn't. Ex- I thought the pandemic would acceler- accelerate video innovation more than it did. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so there's not a, an abrupt pivot to video. Um, but you here, here's where you establish more product categories. And this is, I think, the other part that we'll see is creating more inventory. Right. Uh, and I've talked with some Italian soccer teams looking to sell commercial rights in the U.S. Uh, of course, because we're a huge market. Well, you're a mid-tier you know, t- Italian Serie A team. The media part is limited. There's no, I mean, the media part is limited and really it's not worth selling because you'll pay more to sell it than you would. It's a tough sell. If you can sell it, you know, I mean, it's, it's hard just on the media part. So you need inventory that you can sell. Well, come for a tour, right? If you tour, now you're not going to go, if you're going to come to Indianapolis, you're not going to go to Lucas Oil Stadium, but we can, you know, put you, we can get 10,000 fans or we might get 20,000 at hey, here's a special thing. Indy Eleven are going to be, play a Serie A team. It's going to be you know, and uh, let's do instead of like a Champions League level international tour, let's do a Europa League level international tour. Right? What's the top club in Moldova? Ooh, um, they they used to they used to play in Europa League a lot. So uh, Europa, yeah, Europa League. Um, Sheriff. Sheriff. Yeah, so let's bring in Sharif, and then we'll go to uh, uh, Sofia, and let's get one of the Ukrainian clubs, you know, and they're kind of borderline. Yeah. Maybe Zenit. There you go. Right? (laughs) Italy, get Real Sociedad, you know, Villarreal. I mean, these are almost, right? I mean, for fans, but it's uh, mostly you, you get more media. It is great hospitality opportunity. Mm-hmm. 
And, and you can go to venues, uh, you can go to markets and venues that normally wouldn't go, right? I mean, if, uh, if, uh, if Parma goes to, comes to Chicago, there's a lot of uh, Italian soccer fans here, but it's not Juventus, Milan, even Inter, right? Uh, so it, they'll go, but it's not a, a huge deal that Parma came to Chicago. Right. Parma goes to Rochester. Hey, Rochester, Rochester doesn't see this every day, <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, if you think about this, Rochester and Rochester, New York is a good sized market. Yeah, right. So if they if they go to uh, if they go to Des Moines, Iowa, I mean, Des Moines, Iowa has local media. They're going to cover it. Right. Palmer comes to Chicago and plays at SeatGeek Stadium in Bridgeview. That's not on evening news. <laughs> If it's in Des Moines, it's a live remote. So it's right, better media. Plus, your it's great for hospitality because the hospitality is, hey, look, these are all soccer fans, right? Uh, I mean, and let's face it, I, you know, I'm a Napoli supporter. Uh, somebody invites me to a Juventus game in Chicago, I'm going. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go, right? So likewise, your hospitality and now here's the opportunity for your italian brands looking to gain traction who do I, am i going to host i'm going to host the buyers for the convenience stores the supermarkets i'm going to introduce you my product i'm going to introduce my brand i'm going to demonstrate my marketing program for you here's my it's basically b2b product sampling which I mean, we don't really again we don't realize how huge a part of the sports business that is because it's not sexy, <laughs> right? Point of sale promotions are not are are not. All, although even there, the creative on this, because now you're seeing now, as I think that there is, it goes to a new, here's something I'll say where it's a new level, and I'll say the sponsorship will be a part of it, but the bigger developments are will be in sharper marketing. Because mm -hmm. what the brands are doing are saying, I want the space inside your store. Yeah. And I'm going to build the area. Right. So I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to build it. This is going to drive traffic to your store, but I want this corner. Nike does it at sporting goods stores. Nike Adidas do it. Like you go and here's the Nike corner and it looks different. Everything else is just, you know, steel racks. Yeah. And the Nike shit looks cool. Why? Because it's Nike. Fits their brand, you know, and it draws you. Like this is here's the entire Dick Sporting Goods, and here and the Nike corner stands out. True. Yep. Well, how long before every other brand, Under Armour and you know, and the smaller ones, right? Say, hey, we don't need all the space, but we're going to do the same thing because otherwise, people are just going to go straight to the to the Nike corner. So that's true. So I say that's a a more involvement at retail, and that's not a new trend. That's growing, but I would say. It, that's the, an area that's ripe for innovation. Right. Larry, I'll invite you to play at this point uh, with me the hot stone. Uh, so I'll throw the quick uh, quick questions at you. Just uh, let me know your first thought. Let's, let's, uh, let's, let's do it. Okay. All righty. So the hot stone with Larry DeGarry starts now. Who's your favorite athlete of all time? Metal Arc Lemon. Uh, who is your favorite female athlete of all time? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Mildred Burke. That's some new names on the pod. <laughs> That's really cool. I love it. Metal Arc Lyman, uh, uh, Harlem Globetrotters. And uh, uh, two reasons. Number one, 
Uh, Will Chamberlain said that uh, played with the Globetrotters for years. Said Lemon was the best basketball player he's ever seen. Right. But he's the best basketball player, best entertainer, and after he left the Globetrotters, started his own team. So he's also an entrepreneur. Love it. Uh, what is your favorite event ever? Uh, Yankees Red Sox 1978. Any specific reason why? Yeah, I was I was uh, I was 13 years old. And there were about 10 fights in the, sta- in, the, in the stadium. Thurman Munson hit a home run and the Yankees won. <laughs> it was wild. <laughs> Beer flying everywhere. Wow. I mean, it was, I mean, at the height of the Yankees-Red Sox uh, uh, rivalry. I mean, that's the type of thing where as a young man, right? A young uh, boy, adolescent boy, that you see, ah, ah, this you know, that feeling, the excitement, yeah, real passion. And also related to, to the, the favorite event, do you have a favorite food in the stadium when, at, the, at the game day? Uh, I'd say stadium food, it, it'd have to be uh, the Rocky Dog at Coors Field in Denver. Cool. What is the best uh, partnership or sponsorship of all time? Uh, I'll point to... Uh, a specific promotion, and that would be uh, Coca-Cola and uh, Tendul Car mm-hmm. when he got his Century of Centuries. Uh, that one, to me, really put you know, everything together, the conception, the implementation, the target market you know, going into India. I mean, it's just everything. The, the, the more, uh, here's a recent one that I'll say. Uh, Messi's and Budweiser mm-hmm. sending uh, the numbered goals to the goalkeepers. <laughs> they got 600 whatever bottles and they sent whatever bottles to the... <laughs> so Casillas got a case. Wow. And I'll say, so that's different because now that's social media yeah. oriented because the courts and the keepers who get it say, do a photo, picture, boom, it explodes. Right. What do you think is the most successful activation of all time? The most successful activation? Yeah, a marketing marketing activation. Uh, the the uh, Booney doll for uh, Australian cricket. Can you elaborate more? What, what, yeah. what was that? So Booney is this, you know, kind of burly cricketer, you know, real salty. And it was uh, VB, it's a beer brand. They made Booney dolls that spoke. Mm-hmm. But they didn't publicize that they spoke. <laughs> so they would just, you know, kind of send them out and distribute them. And then all of a sudden they'd get activated and Booney would say, give us a beer, mate. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> and it became, you know, a phenomenon. Again, it's the conception, it's having fun. And uh, and what, a, what a, a, a great way, you know, I mean, really understanding the fan. Yeah. That, yes. My ideal experience in watching cricket is having a beer with Booney. That's cool. That's that's a, that's a good one. So and it became it became now it's a, you can go on 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 eBay see if you can pick one up. It's a collector's item. Okay. Which act which marketing activation you think was or was the biggest fail in the history? Uh, that's a long list. <laughs> well, call call top three. Let, let's make it a top three. Um. Well, it's difficult because you have smaller deals mm-hmm. that uh, I'll say, I'll, 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 let me put it. Here's one that's the uh, biggest missed opportunity, Sears Director's Cup. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, that's the all sports championships for college athletics. Mm -hmm. And they had it for a number of years and they just didn't do anything with it. Uh, and, but what a great, the partner that the concept, I mean, an actual sponsorship, the Sears director's cup. So it's a cup for the athletic directors and, and it's all sports, you know, so it really gives you an appreciation for where, so in the U S you know, we talk about our feeder programs. Colleges are the feeder programs for the Olympics. Mm -hmm. So that, and the director's cup is mostly quote unquote Olympic sports. Right. You know, so it'd be Stanford winning it every year because they're good because they have, because they have so many and they're good. Like they get a national championship in water polo, you know, that nobody knows about, but is high level that these are where you're, you know, it's the feeder program for the Olympics. And so I felt like there was a, a lot that they could have done with it. And then they just didn't and eventually said, okay, we're not getting anything out of this. Wow. That's a heartbreaker. Yeah. Well, that, that, okay. Well, that, that, that's then the, the biggest the missed opportunity. We'll call it missed opportunity. Yeah. Not fail. Okay. Um, what is your, what is the top advice you ever received in your life? Uh, give it a week. Do you remember who gave you that, that advice? Yeah. My, yeah. My dad, uh, I first started wrestling in high school. I was late to it. And my first scrimmage, I got my ass handed to me, you know, I mean, I couldn't. So after the, after the scrimmage, I, I got cranked on so hard I couldn't pick my head up. So I was sitting against the wall with my head down. One of my coaches came by and said, yeah, keep your head up. Like, you know, you tried, you did well, you tried. You know, I mean, I got my ass handed to me. Yeah. And I said, literally, I can't. So I went home and I said, I'm not sure this is for me. You know, like, just a, and um, my dad said, uh, give it a week. And if you, feel, if you feel the same way at the end of the week, then quit. Right. And I said, I can do a week. By the end of the week, I felt better. By the end of the season, I was giving out more lumps than I was getting. But it's also for, for working in the sports industry, right? You say, hey, give it a chance. Or learning something new, right? Yeah. I, I don't know this now. And it's just what, you know, as a coach, I'd say, hey, you know, like if I'm training people in sports, I'd say, stick with it. You can do this. Just stick with it. You know, give it a chance. So, and that's also what what people in business success, and so in particular, uh, people looking to break into sports. If it's a lot of your listeners, I'll say for uh, best piece of advice you, that people give, what people tell you is persistence. So, uh, salespeople know you map out eight contacts for a sale. You're not going to sell on the sell on the first contact. You say I'm going to send five e an email five times. Yeah. If I don't hear no, I'm going to send you another one, and you leave another voicemail, another voicemail. And a lot of people say, "Well, I sent an email and they didn't get back to me." Just so well, just send another one, and a third. And I mean, you don't want to be a pest, but a lot of people will. And we know this as buyers. Yeah. All right. I got the email. I'm not ready now, but I don't have anything to talk about. Right. And I'm not going to contact you to say, I'm not ready now. Right. It just delete. And a month later, I'm glad to hear from you. Still not ready. 
So three months later, here's the fifth email. And now you're saying, look, I sent you a few emails. I haven't heard. I don't want to be a pest. So this will be the last one. Let me know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Larry, uh, during on course of uh, of uh, the MBA I pursued last, uh, well, last year, 2018, 2019, there are a lot of guys, a lot of young guys and gals who were thinking and had in their mind like, oh, I want to work in, in, in you know, sponsorship and partnership. What does it take and how uh, these guys can, what they can do in order to get better at, you know, this creativity? Because you, what you mentioned earlier, it takes a lot of creativity. Crea- creativity, creation, and, you know, having a creative mind and so on. I mean, if you're looking for work, this is a sales-based industry. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the creative part of it, you can always find somebody. Yeah. And, and a lot of that is not original thinking. It's here's what somebody else did and right. But this might make sense for looking to get into the sports industry. We're a sales-based industry, sell or die. And the advice that I give is, under, number one, understand that. Now, there's a lot of buzz around analytics. Person, I mean, that's my field, so I feel like it's important. It's good, good to know, but sales trumps that any day of the week. Uh, and I'll point to for the new graduates. For the new graduates, in particular, sponsorship is, tends to be senior-level B2B sales. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for a way in, get training in sales enablement mm-hmm. and in the industry. So if you say if sponsorship, where's it going to go? So one area, I think uh, there's going to, we're going to increase in sophistication pretty rapidly where we're way behind, but we'll catch up is in um, um, a B2B sales, but in particular uh, joining marketing with sales. Right. So, in in sponsorship sales for way behind right way behind i have never seen never i've never seen a a sponsorship property with a content strategy mm-hmm. uh, this is in b2b marketing this is you know like fairly well established this i mean not fairly very well established that you have a content strategy that generates qualified leads. Right, right. Right. So because I mean, if you ask what you want your sponsorship salespeople to do is to be making presentate writing proposals and making presentations. That's how you want them to spend their time. Mm-hmm. You don't want them to spend their time calling 95 people out of a hundred who have zero interest in your or or in or use for your product. Right. There I see a a, a huge opportunity and it's going to come from the outside, all right? Meaning, it's going to be people like you. Hey, I'm a newly minted M- MBA. I'm coming into your organization, and I have these. Uh, I have a HubSpot certification in content marketing, and I want to know, you know, what are you doing to get your your B two B leads? And they say, oh, well, we go through Hoover's and look at every company in this product size. We have Sponsor United, and we look at who's doing what. And I say, yeah, that's great for current sponsor you know com- brands that are currently active right, right now you're now you're f- f- fighting for one piece of that you know their budget mm-hmm. as opposed to who are the brands that are good targets who would come in and just don't know about sponsorship this is one thing is something that's uh, amazing to me that for example the advertising world still calls it endorsing 
endorsement. Mm-hmm. I mean, sponsorship's not even in their vocabulary, right? So, so trying to exp- and so then trying to explain to them, you know, you know, like, like what this is and how this and how this works. Or here's your promotional, you know, experiential marketing agency, and you're saying, hey, look, we need to connect this to our advertising, you know. So, uh, um, so we we don't do. Uh, uh, a good job at all, and this is part of the reason for the center. Uh, you know, I'd like to do more of this if if we could get support for it. There's advertising has multiple uh, trade associations, right? Uh, PR has one big one. PRSSA has one big, very effective trade association. Sponsorship has the ESA. The ESA does a good job in Europe. Mm-hmm. North America has nothing. IEG kind of used to kind of fill that role, but they're a private company, not a trade association. So we don't have that. So we don't have anyone in in here promoting the discipline in general. Uh, there's not a lot of knowledge, which means that the sponsorship properties have to do a lot more education. They're not. I see. They're not, and that's just true. That's true on sponsorship. That's true on corporate hospitality. You know, like uh, if 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 you say, "Well, what's the business case for buying a luxury suite?" Oh, you can entertain clients. Yeah, I understand that, but does it work? Well, here's a testimonial letter from. This company that says yes, it does. That's not, you know. That's it. That's it. So even there, there's no content being produced. There's no lead generation. You know, there's no B two B marketing. Right. They they uh, professional sports teams market to fans. Yet almost exclusively. Yet. The majority of their revenue comes from businesses. Yeah, B two B B two B market it's way bigger than than B two C. So I and I and that's that's what I would say is the opportunity for you know your newly minted MBAs because you're the guys who are going to get those programs started. Right. You're going to walk in and say, "Hey," uh, or this is uh, another, uh, and it's happening now in North America. I see a lot of. Uh, professional teams are hiring high level you know like real high level MBAs with corporate experience mm-hmm. well they walk in like i you know you, you got an M, a Yale MBA and you spent it four years at Unilever you come in and you're like well i mean where's your segmentation study we don't we've never done one okay we're the, we're the, you know like real basic stuff right I mean, real basic stuff. And likewise, you're going to have people come in who have B2B marketing experience and say, you know, saying, you know, what, what's your content strategy? How are you developing leads? Uh, you know, or what, what's your uh, analytics support for your proposals, for your products? You know, so I mean, these are, you know, kind of all basic things that, and uh, I mentioned before, the sports industry is spoiled. Mm-hmm. They've had infrastructure. You've also been spoiled by, and this is still the fact that we can maintain a business just selling to fans who happen to be business owners. Right. 
So you're missing maybe 75% of the business market. Gotcha. Yeah, because of that. Like this would make sense for your business. You just don't know anything about rugby. You know, I mean, like people, and that's the, the like for rugby, if you want to sell rugby in the United States, there are very few people, you know, know about it. You might find, you know, someone, I mean, rugby in the United States is relegated to exclusive, highly selective colleges. That's the scene. That's right. Yeah. Right. That's the core. Mm -hmm. Well, that means there are a lot of, you know, alums from highly selective colleges who have rugby experience, who played, who loved it and understand it and fairly knowledgeable and can, can understand, you know, just the game, the game. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll point to uh, NASCAR did a fantastic job of going beyond their own borders, but they'd have to go to, you know, like AAA headquarters it makes sense for them to be in NASCAR automobile, you know, automobile, your AAA, you know, you're, but their headquarters are in San Francisco. So you got these, you know, I mean, these good old boys flying in from Charlotte. Now I got to explain to you why this makes sense for your business. They did it. You know, they did it. And, and so I think there's a, we kind of get the, the, they get spoiled, you know, but with, cause there are enough fans. But I and I ask, and a lot of the the teams don't know. Like I'll ask, you know, what percentage of your season ticket holders are businesses? About that means you don't know. Okay, <laughs> uh, among those business accounts, what percentage are fans? Uh, probably about three quarters. <laughs> I'd say about, which means you don't know. But if it is, you probably have a good 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 grip on it. But that means it's reversed, right? Your business accounts one quarter should be fans. Because that's the market. Yeah, you know you should you should be able to make a business if it's a business investment, which it is. So this is the other part, right? On the one part, there's the perceptions, and the other part, like sponsorship, right? There's the perceptions, or there's the feeling, or there's the emotion. And the other part is we can say it works, right? It works. Now, if I can show that to you, say this is you know a business and a marketing investment that yields returns. Okay. I mean, you know, this is the lead. Everybody, these are the questions that sponsors, you know, ask So in sales. So this is why I say it's the sales and the analytics. So I'm going to ask you, hey, Big E, uh, do you want more viewers for your podcast? Of course. Right? Of course. You can do that for me. I mean, I'm going to give you 30 seconds to capture my interest. That's right. Or... I'm going to say, send me your deck. These days, the deck, it's three slides. <laughs> That's it, right? I'm not going to look at 12. I don't want to know about your company. So give me this shit up front. So if you can say, here's this works, so I'm like, okay, boom, I got a picture. Now I'll take the meeting. It's enough to talk, right? Now, if I get the meeting, now I got 30. If I have, so this is, you know, my, my, my job. You know, I'd walk into corporate America, say, we're evaluating a NASCAR sponsorship. And I'd say, I'm going to lead. And like, here's the three main findings. Here's the research, three main findings. Like, this is a, it's a great program, right? Here's the three main findings. And people go. Larry, what is the best way, if anyone still has any questions, to connect with you and, and, and ask them how they can reach, uh, reach you? LinkedIn. That's the best tool for everybody now. 
Yeah, and LinkedIn and anybody who, you know, I mean, it's uh, easy to find. Yeah, and I'll, I'll actually put your uh, Calendly link as well in the, uh, in the episode notes. Yep, always happy to uh, take a meeting. It's it's an it's an awesome it's an awesome tool as well which I which I love. Well, I mean, it's just a, another thing on uh, with you know making e- meetings easier. Yeah. Right. That this is where we we you know want to get to. Uh, you know, trying to find uh, trying to arrange a meeting has always been like the big stopper. So yeah. Calendly has been a been a, a great tool for that. Um, but so has LinkedIn. Yeah. And making it, you know, and so these are the tools where I say, let's, you know, make it easier. It's easy to find people. It's mm-hmm. easier to identify. Uh, and I would say something to, I'll say like on LinkedIn, uh, on a content strategy. Yeah. I mean, I follow the, you know, different properties. Uh, they don't put any content. They don't use LinkedIn for their, their LinkedIn content is for fans. Yeah. I unfollow. I mean, even, even properties that I'm fan, a fan of, you know, that's what Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter are for. Mm-hmm. Um, if uh, your LinkedIn feed, I want the, the business. Yeah. I mean, it's nice that you sign, you know, like you signed a new player. Okay, let's, that's if there's business implications, you know, but that you won a championship and you're, pro, you know, happy about that. I mean, you know, put that on Instagram. That's right. You know, yeah. So you, uh, you, tell, let's talk you about just, your, tell me, and tell me your, you know, what your sponsorship and sh- hey, this is, show me your case study. Mm-hmm. Not, hey, we signed a new deal. We're really happy. Okay. What are the results? What's the value to, to the... Uh, Show to me the results. That, that, you know, now, and this is my point. Like if I said, if you said, hey, Juventus just re-signed with Jeep. If you're a soccer fan, uh, you know, you might reopen that post. Yeah. If you're not, why would you give a shit? You don't. Yeah. And so if you're not a soccer... But, but, if, if instead of that post was... Uh, Jeep had X number of dealership visits attributed to this. This sponsorship drove X number of dealership visits, test drives. Now I'm interested. Yeah. And not just if I, and not just, and not just if I'm in a car business, right? Mm-hmm. Now that's broader. Like you drove traffic to retail, man, that's everybody's challenge. Yeah. Right. How do, Especially now, I mean, now, especially, right? How do I get get people to drive in traffic to retail? That's e-commerce, that's, you know, live, that's everything, you know, online, offline. So that, that's, that's, that's the interest. So that's, uh, that's my, uh, my, 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 again, a suggestion for people looking that you leverage LinkedIn. Uh, it's, a, it's a great tool. Yeah, definitely, definitely adjusting uh, the content towards the platform you're uh, you're using. It's it's key, and uh, for sure, LinkedIn is more on the educational and you know business oriented stuff. So uh, that that that's that's a good point, Larry. Thanks a lot for taking the time during the holiday season to <laughs> to connect to connect with me. This is the last breather because <laughs> well, 
I'm prepared. The shit hits the fan on Monday. You know, I really, I really feel, I don't know if I get the sense, the timing, uh, that there's a lot of enthusiasm because beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. so, New year resolution, you know, et cetera. Yeah. Well, new year, but also a new year with the confidence that we're going to be moving out of the biological crisis. Right. Right. So we can at least in the beginning of the year, things that we're not doing, we can at least plan. I mean, you could see it, right? That you could say, see the sports teams are, pl are now planning with not exact detail, but planning to have fans in the stands this year. Another awesome episode in the books, guys. Please go rate, review, and subscribe to the platform you're listening to this podcast to not miss any further episodes. If you want to get in touch with us, we're answering all the messages on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. The link tree will be in the episode notes. Get in touch with us, ask questions, and let's grow together. Until next episode, stay safe and peace out.